Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Tricky Takes podcast. Here I am, as always, with my co-host, Billy Weltland and Austin Freed. So, guys. What up, everybody? So, uh, not a whole lot going on in the world of sports anymore these days. Uh, we still have baseball, obviously, and the U.S. Open, which we'll get into here in a second. But now with uh, football pretty well winded down and uh, the NBA season coming to a f- complete close, uh, you know, it's it's going to be a lot of baseball talk from here on out, uh, other than the occasional news that comes out from the other major sports. But, uh, you know, we're fine with that over here. Uh, baseball is definitely one of our, our favorite sports as a group. But uh, we really wanted to get started with uh, Billy letting us know how that U.S. Open went over the weekend as the resident golf guy. <laughs> yeah, we actually didn't talk about it leading into it uh, last week. Um, but... Very highly criticized U.S. Open this week. Uh, A lot had to do with the course and how that was handled by the LACC, which is one of the most prestigious golf clubs, country clubs, probably in the world. I think the fee to join is like 250K. Uh, They have ridiculous rules. You can't wear any kind of shorts, no headphones, no earbuds in the clubhouse. You can't even change your shoes in the parking lot of your truck. That's how strict they are. Um, But I think the world kind of going into it was after day one, which was interesting because we saw two guys tie for the lowest U.S. Open round of all time at eight under. Par 70 course this week. Uh, That was Ricky Fowler and uh, I believe it was Wyndham Clark with him on day one. both went eight under. Ricky Fowler actually ended the week with the most birdies in the U.S. Open, uh, but did not end up winning it after a pretty rough Sunday round four for him. I think the whole world was kind of rooting for Ricky. Uh, he's just been a crowd favorite his entire career, basically. And to see him, you know, come through on the big stage after the year he had last year where he was an alternate for the U.S. Open and didn't even play in it, uh, and come back and, and put on a performance like he did this weekend was was pretty impressive. But fortunately, he kind of fell apart there towards the end on Sunday. Wyndham Clark was able to take advantage of that opportunity and ended up winning at 10 under. His second career win on the PGA Tour, both of them coming this year. And I believe he's already made more money this year than he has in his entire PGA Tour career. I did see that same stat you were talking about, Billy. I, I believe that is correct. And also a big part of winning is like all the, the sponsorship deals and the commercials and everything that comes with it. Like that's where a lot of the money that these pro, pro golfers make comes from. Cause I mean, they're not winning all the time, but the, if you win a few times, you get garner reputation and then you get sponsored and uh, you do commercials and all that, that sorts of stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, you win a major and you can yeah. see any company you want really. Yeah. I mean, if you're just staying consistent top 10 finishes, you'll get those deals that you're talking about. But if you win, you're you're guaranteed a, a pretty good sign-on with whatever company. Yeah. Um. So there was a little bit of controversy that I wanted to get your opinion on, Billy, with uh, the ball moving. Did you uh, – have you been following kind of that and everybody saying that, oh, he should have been docked a, a stroke and it should have been a tie? a little bit but 
it was kind of weird the whole week because Ricky Fowler, I believe it was, had a ball plugged in the bunker and was able to take a drop and ended up being able to drop on the green this weekend too. So there were some weird things that happened. Um, I saw a little bit of the movement that you were talking about. And, uh, you know, it's tough. It's like, yeah, I think he should have probably been docked. Yeah, as Brooks Kepke says, you got to start stroking guys. So, um, you know, probably should have gave him a stroke there. But I mean, the ball moved <laughs> yeah, a millimeter. Like, I but I mean, he did put his, I mean, it was in the tall grass. He put his club behind it and the ball rolled towards the club a little bit. And then he pulled the club away. Uh, I mean, by the rule that does, you know, that is should be a stroke, but I don't know. I mean, it seemed inconsequential to the shot, you know. It didn't I mean? improve his life. At exactly, all. yeah. So, I get uh, it's the rules, but. Yeah, and I saw a lot of other people uh, were mad because uh, Rory came out um, and was like, you know, I was I was hoping he wouldn't, you know, finish it off or something like that. And like he was like, I was rooting against them on hole eighteen and everybody's mad at them. It's like why does he have to like hope this guy beats him? I don't understand why people are mad that he was hoping for Wyndham to like miss on the on the last hole. I think Yeah. I mean I, I think it's all the golf fans that are very classy golf fans. Yeah. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like everybody says you don't play against the other players you play against the course yeah so you know yeah i don't know i i need every single uh golf tournament to be like the one that uh goes place in arizona the uh the trash waste the waste management yes. one that i mean that's the the best golf tournament of the year by far and i just need every oh, every uh major to to be in the same uh the same energy as the waste pro yeah i saw a ton of people this this weekend kind of talking about how bad the environment is and even watch it on tv i'll be honest i didn't watch a ton of the u.s open this weekend just because guys are you know ricky fowler on saturday teed off at like seven o'clock eastern time yeah (laughs) i was like i'm not about to sit down and watch 18 holes of golf right now so uh (laughs) but everybody talking about the like just the overall environment there LACC also bought like way over half of the tickets themselves to host like it was like corporate stuff, mm. you know. So only nine thousand tickets were available to the public, and you know obviously they're stupid expensive and very exclusive in LA. So yeah, absolutely. That's probably a one and done. Of course, there it was the first time <laughs> it was played on the PGA Tour. Really? Wow. Or first time a major was played there, at least. I don't know if it's ever been played on the PJ Tour before. Um, I don't think it has. I don't think they'll go back. That's, that's a hell of a debut, I'll say. Yeah. But the U.S. Open's a great debut for any course. Yeah. I mean, too bad it didn't live up and, and it had a pretty poor showing. Uh, but let's, uh, let's move on uh, to... Uh, I mean, I guess another one of Billy's wheelhouse is the College World Series going on, although I know we've all been paying a, a lot of attention to you know college baseball since the College World Series takes place. I mean, yeah. Omaha baseball is as good as any baseball you'll ever watch. Like, I mean, 
it's so much fun. Uh, Wake Forest and LSU, as we speak, are you know trading blow for blow. It's a two-one ball game right now. Uh, I guess we should start back with the uh, the first game though of yeah. the College World Series, which would have been the uh, Oral Roberts TCU game. Which, I mean, well, uh, both games on day one were five to six <laughs> games. Yeah. It's, I mean, three that? of the first four were one run games that yeah. came down to really the last out. Yeah, and actually, as we're talking, LSU just tied it up two two. Uh oh! There we go. Uh oh! Well, y'all are behind me. Oh, I sure am. <laughs> God, I hear the cheering. I don't have it on in this room. What's going on? I hear it in the in the next room. Rerun moonshot. Hater. Oh God. Okay. Well, she was down two one going into this inning. It's the bottom of the third. They're now up five two. This is honestly what I want, though. I'm a Florida fan. Florida earlier today punched their ticket to the finals. LSU will have to beat Wake Forest twice. If LSU wins tonight, it's setting up tomorrow for a Rhett Louder, Paul Skeens elimination oh, game to get to the final. That is what I need as a Florida fan because <laughs> I am not ready to face either one of those guys um, in, a, in a finals game. So Paul, Paul Skeens in so the good. first matchup was – absurd i mean he's he's been absurd he right now is an mlb ace like he's he's i mean he's probably one of the top 100 pitchers in mlb if right now uh i think i i mean i saw some crazy stat about the amount of 100 mile an hour fastballs he threw yeah in that game he threw like 120 something pitches and 46 of them were over 100 miles an hour yeah i I was watching it yeah, it's he easy. makes it look yeah, so easy. Such a buttery it's, delivery. Too. It's not bruised our gradarol level easy gas, yeah. but it is easy gas. It's easy gas, dude. I saw some stuff. A bunch of Tennessee fans were kind of upset about their loss there at LSU. And they were talking. So Paul Skeens just naturally started throwing 100, added like 15 pounds of muscle mass, and developed acne this offseason. I was like, oh, <laughs> shut up, dude. Like, they test them so often. Yeah. Especially guys like him that are performing at such a high level. Like, you know, he's probably taking a piss test once a week minimum. Yeah. If that happens in like Juco, then there's a, <laughs> there's a reason to. Yeah. He's got flag. He's free reign, dude. <laughs> you can do whatever you want dude, to. Do I remember yeah. um, my first semester at Gulf Coast, I was hanging out with some of the baseball players. And they were all talking about like how they're getting on steroids. And, <laughs> and uh I was just like they're like it's not you're not worried about getting caught. They're like, bro, there's no no chance. That's why Juco like, not baseball, even a little bit. Juco baseball, I think, is better than D2 baseball. Honestly. Yeah, probably it. I At mean the highest level. Yeah, the highest level is. Like Chipola. I'd put them up against a lot of D1 teams, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, when you look at who's come through uh, the Chipola program, I mean, I think most notably Joey Bats was a Chipola alum. Um, I think there is even one Russell or two. Russell Martin. Russell Martin, yep, there's another one. Adam Duvall. Yeah, Duvall, that's the one. I, I knew there was somebody. 
So, uh, well, let's get back on track. Um, Virginia fell to TCU and Florida beat Oral Roberts. And then on day two, Tennessee beat Stanford and LSU uh, fell to Wake Forest in a three to two game. Uh, the Tennessee Stanford game was some really good ball. Really that good. was a fun game to watch. I think it's a great game to watch. Uh, Tennessee's a good ball club, man. I mean, they unfortunately got, I mean, ran into LSU, which they're just not as good as LSU, but uh, they they were a good squad. Um, they were expected to be better this year. Yeah, they were. Chase Dolander, who's still going to be a top 10 pick pitcher, did not have a great year. And they're pitching. They had a lot of, or I'm thinking South Carolina right there, but they had a couple pitchers that went down with injury. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that was their main downfall this year, honestly. Yeah. Um, and then moving on, uh, as I mentioned, LSU uh, kind of, I wouldn't say it was a boat race. I mean, 5 nothing, uh, beat Tennessee and then TCU uh, beat Oral Roberts again by five. But uh, Roberts did get one on the board in that game. So six to one. Uh, the the Florida TCU game today was a lot that was closer. A great game. That was a lot closer than uh, anticipated. Yeah, it was. Uh, it ended on, I mean, a hell of a catch by the center fielder, uh, running running basically full speed into the wall as he made yeah. the catch. Um, I mean, if that ball gets by him, it hits off the wall and it's a triple. Oh yeah, easily. That ball was one ten off the bat. Shoo. God, one ten off the bat, dead center in Omaha is four hundred eight feet. I think. Yeah, it's a little deep. So that ball and he was four hundred six. Four hundred six. Yeah. Yeah. You know, parks that's just absolutely launched him. Yeah. Like especially in college ball. Yeah, Omaha. Omaha is a pretty deep field. It's it's one of the bigger ones, which. Yeah. I like. I think. I think it makes for a, a better game. I personally, I don't. I mean, I don't love. Wind when, is uh, always whipping there too. Yeah, yeah that's true. Is. Oh well, uh, talk about those balls that just like barely squeaked foul for Florida, or I guess the one that barely squeaked foul that was called fair initially got overturned. Um. Yeah, and then Wyatt Langford hitting the furthest home run in the stadium's history. Yeah, how far was yeah, that? How one? far was that? That was four fifty six. Sheesh. How about that? How about Joe Adele yesterday? Did y'all see that one? Five fourteen. I didn't know he was yeah. down. I didn't know either. But yeah, that but, uh, was an absolute moonshot. See, and that just goes to show how ridiculous like pro ball is. Yeah, because we're talking about some of the best players in college baseball right now. I mean, the best teams in college baseball. Florida hit, you know, the farthest home run in Omaha's history, and it went 450. Ronald Acuna has hit, like, seven of those this year. Yeah. Uh, And that's just that jump in talent. Yeah, it is ridiculous, especially especially from the hitters' uh, side. On the pitchers' side, it's it's less of a jump because these days, at least, you know, you've got guys pumping 100 – down in college too, like Paul Skeens and um, Ben. Uh, what was Tennessee guy? Joyce. Joyce. Uh, Joyce. Joyce. Yeah. 
He made his angels now, but last year he was something like 104. <laughs> yeah, he topped out at 105. Yeah, absurd. Just dead so, uh, but tomorrow, it's looking like you might get your wish though, if uh, this game holds up the way it is. Long way to Florida boys. Yeah, long way to go. Neither ace is bumping it tonight. Yeah, and Wake Wake can uh, swing it. Yeah, Wake can swing swing. for sure. They've got a deep pitching staff too. So, yeah, they do. All three of their starters are nasty. That's I did. I don't know who I'd rather face. (laughs) Honestly, don't. I'd almost rather face LSU because I mean, you know, you've got the loss probably coming when Skeen's on the bump. But I feel like their other pitchers are hittable, more so. I'd agree with that. I mean, Skeens is hittable. You just, I mean, you've just yeah. got to have keep LSU to like two because you're not getting any more than like three against yeah, Paul Skeens. You're not. Yeah. He's probably going at least six. Yeah. And he's not going to give you any free passes. No, he's, he's not. Yeah. He's not going to punch you out. So he you've got it. count like crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, the key to getting to Skeens is kind of a bloop and a blast, really. Right. You two on the board that way, and, and you're sitting pretty. Um, but, uh... Speaking of a lot of bloops, uh, Louisa Rise has been ridiculous. <laughs> uh, he's so hot right now. Like, when you look at his statistics... It doesn't make any sense. I think he's batting 401 right now. Last last I checked, it was 401. After his third five-hit game, not of the season. Well, yes, of the season, but also of the month. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's been on fire. He's the best bat-to-ball um, hitter in baseball. He's probably the best bat-to-ball hitter in baseball we've seen since Tony Gwynn. Uh, but... He just has zero pop, and <laughs> the sabermetrics hate him, and it's so funny. Um, I love you know sabermetrics, looking at like expected stats and on all that and all that good stuff. But just because he hits the ball so softly in comparison to you know other hit, great hitters in the league, he's so soft. So his expected batting average is really only like three thirty five. But he's batting over 400 because, I mean, he just kind of knows how to place it, and it it's at some times better to hit the ball not as hard because it's not going to get all the way to the outfielders. You're going to get those ones that you know land kind of in no man's land in the the basically, Bermuda Triangle. They're basically dying when they're crossing the infielders' heads. Yeah, yeah, and th- I mean that's just a a skill. I mean it's not luck in my opinion some people will call it you know just good like babip luck or whatever but it, i mean it's it's a skill to be able to place the ball where you need to place it and and get hits and i commend him for it it's a totally old school brand of baseball and it's working yep. the marlins are great he's one of the leading players on that team um yeah so i, I pulled it up austin because i was curious as of the end of games yesterday he was at 398 but guess what the next highest batting average in the league is right now? There's Ronald two people Acuna. tied for it. Yep. But what yeah. is he hitting? Uh, three twenty six, three twenty seven. So I mean, that's a seventy point jump, mm-hmm. just about between the now, two of them. 
this is something crazy I found. I found this. This was was it yesterday? I was doing looking at some stats. I think it was yesterday. Um, Acuna's expected batting average is actually best in MLB with a 351 expected batting average, and his actual is only 327, as you said, or it was 325 when I found this. Rise is uh second in expected batting average is only 337. So and he's batting 400. So when you look at someone like Acuna who's batting 326, 327, he's underperforming by like 20 points versus Arise is overperforming by like 60 something points. Yeah. Uh and what's even crazier is when you look at expected slugging numbers, and this is where that whole like exit velo stuff really gets into play. Acuna hits the ball so hard, his expected slugging percentage is 654, but he's actually only slugging 561. Second closest in expecting slugging, expected slugging is 614. So that's a whole 40 points lower than Acuna's, and it's Shohei Otani, but his actual slugging, Shohei's, is 632. So he's outperforming his expected slugging versus Acuna's underperforming by like 80 points. Combined, Acuna's expected batting average and expected slugging, he's underperforming by 110 points. God. And he's still, regardless, a top three, like just statistically, a top three hitter in baseball. And he's underperforming by like 110 points in those two categories. And you can look all of his expected stats. They're way higher than his actual stats, whether it's like his ex-WOBA or anything. Um, yeah, so actually right now it's got him and Corbin Carroll right there at the top. Fangraphs does in terms of statistically the way yeah, they're yeah, playing. Corbin, yeah, uh, and Corbin's another guy who is vastly outperforming his expected stats. But, I mean, I don't want to – I mean, Corbin Carroll's a fucking dude. Yeah, he's a dog. <laughs> uh, it's – I mean, I think he he jumped second highest odds for NL MVP right now. I think that – Think I he saw him. Did. I saw him. I I think I saw he jumped up to second highest odds right now. Wait. So he might do the uh, coveted rookie of the year and MVP in the same season, which I think Ichiro was the last person to do that. I believe so. He's the leading vote getter in the All Star ballot too for left field. Yeah, absolutely. It's crazy he's playing left field with how fast he is. But he's really not that good of a defender, despite his speed. He's about a league average. Yeah, so right now, the uh, the NL, the top five for NL MVP odds are Acuna is pretty much minus 140 at all the major guys. Corbin Carroll is second at about plus 600 across the board. Uh, Freddie Freeman is third, about plus 700. And then Mookie Betts and Luis Arias are fourth and fifth, and they're both hovering around like the plus 25, 2600. Now, Freddie Freeman's going to have a tough time winning MVP because uh, he's not flashy. He's going to bat 320 something at least, maybe 330 something, which I think he's batting like 320. He's probably tied. Is he tied with Acuna right now for batting average, second in batting average? Uh, I know he was in third behind. No, he he dropped down a little bit. He's in third. He's at three twenty four. Okay. Um. So yeah, I mean that's that's probably going to continue, but 
there's three crazy things that are going to happen this year. Rise is going to hit nearly 400, if not hit 400. Acuna is going to go 40-40 or better. And I would consider like 30-60 more impressive than 40-40. But he might go 40-60. Yeah, uh, that's right. It's Yeah, I mean, that's just absurd. And then Corbin Carroll is going to put up hellacious numbers as well as a rookie. So, I, I mean, Freddie Freeman's not going to win it over any of those three as long as they continue on their current paces. Now, an interesting question to pose is, say Acuna finishes the year with 37 home runs and 62 bags. So he finishes 30-60, just a little shy of 40-60. And Luis Arise hits 400, right at 400. Who's your MVP going? vote going to? I'd probably still have to give it to Acuna. You can because, yeah. Because, I mean, the RBIs are still going to be significantly higher. Just the run scored. Every, everything that he adds to the team is going to be statistically higher than what Arise is doing. Now, what Arise is doing is incredibly impressive. He just doesn't have the power to really drive in the runs like Acuna is and make those game-changing one-at-bat swing the momentum. And I think the difference from is going to be that Acuna is going to do this while hitting, call it 310. Say he falls off a little bit by the end of the year, hits bats 310, or even just 300. Like if he bats 300 and goes 30-60, I think that's more impressive than batting 400. Yeah, without the rest of the stats. Right. Billy, what do you think? I think probably for the reasons that Connor mentioned they were, all the other stats are going to be so much more elevated with Acuna, Acuna. But dude, when's the last time we've seen somebody bat four hundred and then Ed Williams? Yeah, and then you have to factor in like most valuable to your team if you really want to talk about that and have that conversation. You know, you can't argue that Luis Arias has not played a part in the Marlins being relevant this year. I mean, it could honestly, the vote could come down to whichever one of those teams wins the division because they're yeah. both right now top two in the division. And if Luis Arias hits 400 and the Marlins end up winning the National League East over the Braves, that might yeah. swing votes. Right. It's just so. the way things stand right now, just without knowing those final factors, I do have to lean Acuna, but. I yeah. could see a good strong case being made for a right, especially if they make like a halfway decent playoff push. I mean, yeah. that could be massive for him getting some some swing votes there. But uh moving into the uh the AL MVP real quick, just while I have it pulled up. Uh the number one person is not gonna surprise anybody. It's <laughs> uh it's obviously Shohei. Oh. and yeah. I know, shocker, right? <laughs> I thought it was yeah. going to be Tony Tony Kemp. Tony Kemp's he's getting yeah. close. So it looks like the best odds to take him are negative four twenty five right now, <laughs> and the average is about negative five fifty. So uh, he he's pretty high on the the favor odds there, and the next best bet would be uh, Aaron Judge at plus. 2000 is pretty much across the board for him. Jeez. He's the next closest in the voting odds I right mean, now. I don't MVP. played in over a month. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
I don't think Judge. Who else has a chance? Like, if I'm just trying to think, Wander Franco. He's, Wander, he's been yeah. having a really good year. Bobuchet, maybe. Bobuchet's like seven. Marcus Simeon. He's fourth. Um, Corey Seager's in there at five. Corey Seager is absurd without the shift. Yes, yeah. he's been incredible this year and i luckily um was looking into numbers of like ball like batted ball data and like where the ball goes and everything and and seager was an outlier uh in terms of like he just gets robbed by the shift a lot well we talked about it before the season started mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and the the, that's kind of what i'm getting to is like seager is one of those guys who's everybody was saying like he might be i mean he's already incredible he might be insane without the shift um, you know, other guys we were saying that was like Matt Olson, and like there were some other players who we were talking about it the same way. And I mean, the difference for Corey Seager has been absurd. I mean, he he's he's also batting like 340 or something like that. He's just not qualified because he's met he missed the good chunk of the beginning of the season. Um, so I know he's not a qualified batter, but if he's batting, uh, he's got a one dot. 05 or something like that OPS his numbers are absurd See, I'm getting him pulled up right now let's see his average is 365 right now uh WRC plus of 193 that's I'm, if I was placing a bet for value right now American or National League it would probably be on Corey Seager to win MVP. The 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 Shohei Utani burnout is real. Like, if you, I mean, I don't want to call out Ben Verlander, but um, <laughs> if uh, I mean he since day zero has been a huge Shohei t- fan, as I have been too. Uh, I mean, I was last year clamoring. I I said that. Judge didn't deserve the MVP because Otani deserved it. And I'll say that basically every year that Otani puts up his, you know, statistical things that he's doing. Um, but like the burnout's real. Like if you look at any anytime Ben Verlander brings up Shohei, it's like, bro, he's not that good. Quit riding his meat. Like and I don't get why everybody turned so quickly because there was a two-year period where everybody was in love with Shohei and 21 and 20, no 20 and 21, I guess would have yeah. been. And then 2022 comes around and everybody's like starts off the year, like, Oh my God, Shohei. And then by the end of the year, everybody's like, eh, yeah. it's so guys is- wake. It's not normal. No, it's <laughs> absurd. I wonder if it's because he plays for the angels. And they're always underwhelming. They're doing so good this year though. I know. They, I know. Finally. I, like still yes, the second like, team in their market. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that does have something to do with it. But I think it's just that like burnout. It's the same thing we see in in I mean basketball is the the sport that it happens in most. Where uh, it happened with Jokic this year. Uh, basically, it happened with Steph Curry a de- half a decade. LeBron, ago. and then yeah, yeah LeBron, LeBron, LeBron the, should have like six MVPs by now in his career. Yeah. Yeah, and it I just think happens. 2018 was the biggest steal from him that year that yeah. James Harden won it. I mean, but I mean, you can look at three or four years of LeBron's career yeah. where he like clearly was the best player in basketball. But they're like, 
eh, he'll win it again some other time. Let's let's take this chance to give it to to so and so. Yeah, it's like everybody knew LeBron was the best player on the planet at the time, and they were like, well, "This guy had a pretty good season." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, nobody expected this. Like, he's, yeah, he's got, he's got to take it. <laughs> and uh, th- I think that's why the there's a massive value to put a bet on Corey Seager to an MVP because they're going to be like. We're just, I mean, Rob Manfred might come out and say, like, hey, we're going to create a whole new award called the Shohei Otani Award that he wins every single year just for like being named Shohei Otani. Yeah. I mean, it, at this point, he deserves it. I mean, I would say that he's easily a Hall of Fame lock already. Uh, but yeah, I think he's... so too. I think so too. And it's not because of, it's because of my opinion on the baseball hall of fame and hall of fames in general, they are museums to preserve history. They are not, um, I don't know how to put it, but like they're not a barrier that a player is to like climb over or like, there's not like a certain th- a threshold or anything like that. The baseball hall of fame, specifically the baseball hall of fame, other hall of fames too, but is a museum of baseball history. And Shohei Otani is baseball history, just like Barry Bonds is. I was going to ask, so do you think you think Barry Bonds and Pete Rose should both easily Absolutely. Shohei Jackson should be all like... Yeah, I agree. Without a shadow of a doubt, all three of those guys that y'all mentioned should be in there. Um, And I mean, I mean, there's just so many players who I think deserve to be immortalized because of what they've done for the game that sadly aren't Screw the baseball writers of America. Yeah, absolutely. They're it's, so pretentious. It's, it's I mean, it's like video, people who like gatekeep with like video games and stuff like or music. Like, it's like, what are you doing? I don't understand your like, get off your high horse. Yeah. They're probably all members of the LACC too. <laughs> I think that every year when it comes up around voting time, I think the Pete Rose Barry Bonds debate is just getting so tired. I think, like, yeah, no, I agree. I think both of them are going to be posthumously inducted into the Hall of Fame, especially especially Pete Rose. I think as soon as yeah. Pete Rose is gone, they're like put him in, but like that way he's you know not alive when he didn't get to enjoy it. I think I think that's how spiteful um, the baseball writers of America are. <laughs> I think that's what happens. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised. Baseball writers of America is like the United States government. It's full of too many <laughs> old people, and there needs to be change. Yes, that's true. It's like watching them debate TikTok in Congress. Yeah. <laughs> Some of those videos are so funny, dude. Yeah. Anyways, y'all want to get into our players of the week? Yeah, let's do it. These are just our best hitter, our best pitcher. Uh, our best rookie and our best team um, from the dates, uh, the 12th of June through the 20th. And uh, we'll start out on the batting side. So uh, who wants to go first and give their uh, batter of the week? I will go ahead and do it. Uh, but I I picked Shohei. Uh, I think there's definitely a, there's a case for a couple other guys. I was kind of torn. But just looking at what he did over the week, I mean, eight games, six homers, nine runs, 12 RBIs, 26.3% walk rate, and a 370 average, 
with a 306 WRC plus. I mean, just absurd stat lines, absolutely tanking just about everything he saw, almost averaging a home run a game over the stretch that we looked at. I mean, just absolutely incredible little run. And like we just talked about, he could have the Shohei Otani award every year, which would be a step higher even than an MVP just because he deserves it. I mean, he, he is something truly special. And I don't believe – I couldn't find any pitching stats for him over the stretch. I don't think he's been on the bump too much recently. But, again, that's something else you have to kind of factor in whenever you talk about him. He is an amazing pitcher as well when he gets up there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's not – he might win our pitcher of the week too. I don't – I mean, he didn't have that – didn't do anything that crazy in this stretch, so I doubt it. But um, he, he mashed the ball all week. He's – I, uh, he, I don't know if you mentioned uh, that he's currently leading all of baseball and home yes, runs. Yeah. 24. Yeah, that's uh, ridiculous. My season-long prop is going to hit before the All-Star break. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> what was your uh, season-long prop? 30 and a half homers. Oh, easy. <laughs> so uh, I'll go ahead and get into my player. And uh, I'm going to choose a player who had a five-hit game this week. Uh, and that's Michael Harris. It's the second from the Atlanta Braves. Uh, Luis Arise is not the only player who can get five hit games in the National League East. Uh, I mean, he had a, a pretty ridiculous stretch of games. Uh, didn't walk a single time, uh, which is not what he's known for doing. Uh, but he swiped a couple bags, hit three bombs, scored eight runs, drove in nine. Uh, but the the impressive number here is that 516 batting average um slugging 871 uh for a wrc plus of 266 and uh i mean i know this is mostly batting but he also you know plays a great center field and's been uh really good defensively he had uh an outfield assist in one of these games as well so that obviously helps so uh yeah michael harris Finally getting back on form, had a rough stretch following his uh, rookie of the year campaign last year, dealt with some injuries early in the season, but looks like he's kind of found his form and uh, is ridiculously hot at the plate right now. I'd like to point out that he also only struck out like two or three times. Yeah, yeah. So he only he didn't did, walk at all, but he I think he had two strikeouts in the, in the stretch. So, yeah, and just putting the bat on the ball every time. Batting average and on-base percentage in the 500s. Well, I'm going with a separate Brave and a guy that had a home run streak over the past week, and that's Eddie Rosario. Took five balls out of the park this past week. 11 RBIs, scored 10 runs, walked 20% of the time to compare to just a 7% K rate. He is slugging 1130 over that week. And a WRC plus of a ridiculous 323, uh, which is just bonkers. Um, And when he puts the ball in play, it's usually, you know, finding a hole right now for Eddie Rosario. 29 plate appearances, five of those homers. So uh, he was on fire last week, so he's my hitter of the week. Yeah, I wonder if the Braves will win our team of the week after winning two batters of the week. We'll see. I know they're going to be one of two teams, but 
They may or may not be mine. I'll go ahead and spoil that. Uh, moving yeah. on to the pitchers, though. We'll, we'll, well do pitchers. a few other batters I wanted to okay, just yeah, shout out real quick. Uh, Fernando Tatis, another great week, 414. Uh, Corey Seager, who we talked about a little bit in the MVP odds, 432 and 43 at-bats. So just some other really great, great weeks from some guys. But uh, those were the two that stood out the most. That I, I was saying one of y'all would pick one of them. Yeah, I, I enjoy giving players, especially of the week ones, not necessarily like the month-long ones, but the week-long ones, when you do a feat, like hit for the cycle, have a five-hit game, a stretch of five games of the home run, like whatever it is. I like those like feats that you do, no-hitters. Like I, I, I think those are very important for the players of the week. I think the month-long ones should be purely statistical, but... Um, I think when you do something cool like a five hit game or something, you should kind of get elevated in the player of the week status, at least in my opinion. Y'all can do whatever y'all want yeah. with y'all's. That's totally valid. It's your player of the week, Austin. One other guy I wanted to bring up as well. Uh Aaron Hicks. Yeah. Yeah. Now with the Baltimore Orioles coming out of nowhere and uh giving them some juice. Yeah, I mean He's imagine, dude. Imagine if he played in a stadium that had like a really short, like right field porch. That'd be crazy. <laughs> like Finn, that'd be like dream scenario for him. He'd yeah. There. He oh he yeah, would so. be. He'd be dangerous. Whenever Baltimore comes to Fenway, I hope we don't pitch to him. Well, Fenway's super deep in right field. It's just got the pesky pole. I feel like he's going to abuse it against us, just knowing yeah. how our season's going so far. Just yeah. wait till they go up to the Yankees and play. <laughs> I hope <laughs> he has a three run home run or a three home run game against the Yankees. That'd God, that made me so happy. <laughs> I love when the Yankees lose. It would just be so funny to see him come back and hit three bombs there. Yeah. So, um, okay, let's go ahead and talk about our pitchers. Uh, I'm I'm going to go with Yuri Perez. The uh, the young phenom in Miami who's been really nice, uh, you know, in his two starts in this stretch, he went one and zero through twelve innings uh, combined, uh, but didn't give up a single earned run in that stretch. Uh, and a, a FIP right at one point oh three, so doing really good stuff. I mean, the kid throws hard. His average fastball velocity over this week was 97.6 miles an hour. Um, and like I said, nobody scored. The The breakout has been kind of happening. He's been struggling a little bit with his fastball. Uh, like if you look at some of the statistics, it's got really good velocity. And it's got pretty good pitch movement. So his like, there's a... A statistic called like stuff plus and his stuff plus is really good but uh this his results haven't been that good against his fastball and uh, i think it's due to location he's been throwing the fastball down in the zone and i think this week he's kind of switched up i saw a lot more fastballs up in the zone and uh that mentality and that approach from the mound could be uh, what really gets it going for him, and and he could go on an absolute run, uh, pitching. I mean, Sandy Alcantara hasn't been very good, but Yuri Perez looks like he's kind of taking that role of like team ace, honestly. Yeah, Austin, you stole my thunder. I was hoping that neither of y'all were going to pick him, but uh, mm-hmm. 
he's exactly for all the same reasons you said. Uh, I'm loving the breakout. The, the more young players we can have shining like this, I think the better for the game. I don't know if y'all can see my note right there. Uh, uh, Yuri Perez <laughs> yep. was also my pick. Damn. Uh, still just still just 20 years old, man. And uh, it's crazy what he's doing. So I guess I, I don't really have to <laughs> go with my shot at all because I already covered it. So Yuri I'm Perez shocked is my pick. Yuri yeah. Perez. That's why I was I like – because I was looking at other people um, and I was thinking – Oh, Yuri Perez, like I want to talk about him because I'd seen all the stuff about his fastball and stuff, but I figured, you know, we'd have a Framber or Garrett Cole or who else pitched well. Uh Jordan Montgomery those two. pitched well. Jordan Montgomery did pitch well. Yeah. Who um probably Nathan Avaldi. Probably Zach, oh, uh, Zach Wheeler. Zach Wheeler, yeah. Strowman's been balling. Yeah, I figured. I just figured. How about Strowman leading the NL in the ERA? Yeah, he's been really good. Uh, I mean, he's he's a Cubs pitcher. Like, but yep. when, when you look at Cubs <laughs> pitchers, like historically, like they have a type, um, and and Strowman fits in perfectly. <laughs> he he actually Definitely. he's. I mean, I have absolutely zero analytical data to back this up. But if you remember, was it 2015 or 2016? No, 2016 was a World Series. I think it was 2015 when Jake Arrieta won uh, the Cy Young for the Cubs. Uh, yeah. Stroman season's reminding me a lot of Arietta. Like when I just like watched them pitch, it it kind of gives me flashbacks to watching Arietta pitch. I have to look out with that in mind. I didn't really. Yeah, I, I want to. I'll have to like look up um, some old clips of of Arietta to see if if there's anything actually there. But it just kind of I get that vibe from Strowman of like, hey, like welcome to Wrigley. Like, step in the box, step in the batter's box, and then just go ahead and grab a chair because like you're you're out. And that was kind of the. I mean, dominance that we saw from Arietta. I think Arietta's season, he went undefeated or like 20 and 0 at home or something like that, or didn't give up us more than one earned runner. And there was some crazy home statistic from uh from Arietta when he that season where he won it. I don't remember exactly what it was though. All right, rookie of the week. Yeah. I'll go ahead and start since I haven't let off one of these yet. I'm just going with Ellie De La Cruz. Uh, stats aren't the best, but everything he's doing right now is a highlight. And I love watching him play. I just like watching him run to first, honestly. Uh, it's a lot of fun. He's brought a lot of energy to this team. And, uh, you know, once he starts, you know, figuring it out at the big league level, he has all-time potential. I mean, it's crazy. I love watching him play. So I'm just going with Ellie Dela Cruz just based off of that. Yeah, no, that's definitely a good pick. I'll go ahead and uh, and give mine, and uh, mine's going to be Corbin Carroll, who, um, in this time period, has been playing some uh, super good baseball. 
Uh, one thing that's interesting in this stretch, he didn't have a single stolen base, which is 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 weird because he is so fast, but he just doesn't steal as many bags. Only 19 on the season. Um, but, I mean, he's a hit machine. Uh, he had two multiple hit games. Uh, he only had two games in which he didn't get a hit. I've had seven RBIs in this stretch as well. Eight runs scored and hit three home runs. So, I mean, he's he's really just one of the best players in baseball at this point. I We kind of already talked about how he's second in MVP voting. And if he keeps playing like he has been over the past really month, he is going to give Acuna the run for his money. Austin, I'm I'm a little mad at you. I couldn't get mine to pull up fast enough to say it, but uh, yeah, it's Corbin Carroll. He's been just outstanding so far this season, and like you said, really, definitely, probably got the NL MVP or Rookie of the Year locked down at this point. Uh, I can't see anybody else overtaking him for it, but giving him a run for his money and potentially pulling off both would be absolutely outstanding. I definitely think that he he could do it. Uh, I just think that with the way uh, CUNY is going right now, he'll probably end up getting it. Yeah, something major would have to happen, I think. But uh, it's definitely in the realm of possibilities. I don't want to say it's not, because uh, if I said it's not, then it almost assuredly will happen. Yeah, I think... Really, at this point, barring injury or a deep fall off from Acuna, I just can't see that happening. So uh, for team of the week in this stretch, I think there's, I mean, really only a couple of different uh, options. Yeah, it's pretty tight race up there at the top, but it's pretty set in stone at the same time. So uh, the first team I want to talk about is, uh, or I guess since I'm doing, I'll do mine first, and it's the Reds, actually. It's not the Braves. Uh, the Reds have been on a tear. They've currently won 11 straight as of today, I believe, or yesterday. As of today, yep. Uh, so, I mean, they've just been on an absolute tear. As Billy mentioned, Ellie De La Cruz has been up, even though he hasn't been uh, putting out the best stats. I think he's really energized this team. Joey Votto made a comeback, hit a home run yes. in his first game back. Uh, so I think that's a huge boost to this team. It's just a really good ball club as a whole. Um, Jonathan India is is playing pretty decent ball. TJ Friedel playing well. Jake Fraley, Spencer Steer. Well, we talked about this team a lot last week, so I don't want to harp on them too much. But, uh, yeah, uh, the Reds are my team of the week. Yeah, I am, of course, going to go with the Braves. I mean, absolutely dominated. As a team, 20 home runs, 65 runs, seven stolen bases, a 315 team average of 577 slugging. I mean, just absolutely ridiculous numbers coming out of them. Uh, I do want to shout out my Boston Red Sox, though. I think this is probably the first – stretch that we've done where they've populated in the top five statistics wise <laughs> uh based on fan graphs and uh you know love it we swept the yankees over the stretch and that just makes me really really happy 
Uh, and it's probably going to be one of the few times throughout the season where I can truly say that they kind of deserve a, a bit of a nod. Definitely a few teams that are over them, but they were still potentially in the conversation if you wanted to make an argument. So, unfortunately, guys, Billy uh, is having some internet issues. You know, unfortunately, we all can't be together in the same room. It happens every once in a while. Doesn't look like he'll be able to make it back, but he did let us know that his team of the week is also the Reds. I would imagine for a lot of the very same reasons that Austin said. I mean, an 11-game win streak is absolutely ridiculous in baseball. Uh, any given night, any number of things can go wrong and you know cause you to lose. But this team is really finding it all at once. Uh, and I think Billy would agree with everything that Austin said, as do I. Yeah, it's crazy to win 10 plus games in a baseball season because when you just look at like what's happening to the Padres or the Cardinals or the Mets it just shows like so many things can go wrong from so many different angles uh to string together that many wins it doesn't matter who you're playing against it's impressive so uh yeah the Reds are a good team. I, they're on top of the NL Central right now. Uh, the Pirates have not been playing great ball as of late, so the Reds might hold on to it for a while. We'll see. I don't necessarily know if they'll finish on top, but, I mean, Joey Votto coming back is a big boost. So Huge. And uh, Nick Lodolo, I think, is back. He wasn't pitching for a while. That's helping. Uh, there's, there's, I mean, the Reds have a good thing going, and I, I'm happy for them. Since Cincinnati's a good baseball t- uh, city, it is. I mean, to kind of go back on what you're saying, any given team could play. You know, the A's, the Royals, who right now are two of the worst teams in baseball, and uh, you could play them ten times in a row. You know, they're the worst teams. You could still lose three games pretty easily over that stretch. I mean, it's a game of momentum and anything can happen on any given night. I mean, that's one of the things I love about baseball is there's never a determined outcome. You could have the best players in the world against, you know, a group of scrubs and uh, it doesn't really matter. The chips are going to fall where they fall. BABIP's a wonderful thing. Yep. Uh, So yeah, that will, uh, is there anything else you want to hit on before we get out of here? No, I think that's going to take us out of here for the night and uh, for the week. Uh, Just keep an eye on this College World Series. Uh, It's looking like we're going to have a Game 3 in this LSU-Wake Forest uh, series as it stands right now. And uh, tomorrow, if, you know, the result stands how it is, uh, that's going to be a battle of the aces. And probably two of the best pitchers in the College World Series right now are going to be taking the mound. So definitely keep an eye on that and uh, pay attention. Yeah, so that's going to take us out of here this week. Uh, again, as always, you know, please like us, share us, follow us on Twitter. Uh, definitely going to start working. I know we keep saying it, but get more engaged there. We, we've got a big uh, announcement coming. Okay. We do. So we're, we're working on something. Uh, very shortly. We're, we're really excited about it. Uh, we're taking our time with it, though. We want to make sure we have it right before we really get too deep into it and uh, let you guys know what's going on. But we're super excited. Uh, we think it'll be good for for the show, for you guys, uh, really all the way around. So 
uh, we hope to bring that to you here probably end of next month at the latest i would say no i think it's worth it we're only like two weeks out now it's it's coming up quick is it is it that close yeah, already it's, we're, we're coming up quick so uh yeah everybody stay tuned follow the twitter keep listening uh thanks everybody so much we'll see you next week yeah y'all take care <laughs>